And Lorenzo, last week, you went down a Twitch-shaped rabbit hole of reporting, and it all started with a recent leak. Uh, can you hit me with some of the very, very basic facts of kind of what happened that kind of got you started on all this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, we reported that Twitch had been hacked and that someone posted on the internet on 4chan particularly hundreds of gigabytes of internal data uh, including source code financial data of streamers like their earnings and things like that and once i wrote that story i started hearing from former twitch employees that essentially told me wow that's you know it's surprising that it happened again you know, the hack in 2015, and that was really bad. Uh, the hack in 2015 is is public. You know, it was already reported at the time, but all we knew before our story was that uh, Twitch had to reset some passwords because of a breach, and life went on, sort of like, you know, pretty uh, simply. Uh, what we, by speaking to this former Twitch employees, however, we discovered that the hack was much worse than Twitch ever ever talked about. Um, first of all, it didn't happen in 2015. It happened in 20. It was discovered in 2014, and the employees I spoke with are not even sure that's when actually it started. Uh, the company didn't really have good logs, so it wasn't really com- confident of when uh, when the hackers got in. And you know the. Breach was bad. The hackers got got a hold of um, everyone's passwords, uh, the internal databases, source code, just like in the latest incident. And the company for months was trying to recover. All right. Well, this is Cyber, and this is the story of Urgent Pizza. Uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. All right, Lorenzo. So, something that really struck me at the kind of the top of your story, which is titled again, Urgent Pizza, the untold story of the largest hack in Twitch's history. Uh, There's a quote, kind of the second paragraph, I think, that really kind of gets us started here. Oh, fuck, a former Twitch engineer recalled saying, but I remember thinking that there was so much I told you so here. So kind of set the scene. Where Where is Twitch in 2014 when this big hack happens? So this is a Friday in October 2014, just a few months after Amazon purchased the company for, I think, 970-something million. So essentially, you know, almost a billion dollars. Huge acquisition at the time. You know, Amazon was making a big bet that, Twitch was going to be a huge website, and it is. Um, but, you know, the timing of this breach was pretty bad. It was just a few months after the acquisition. Um, Twitch was still relatively small. They didn't really invest much in, in security. According to our sources, there weren't really any cybersecurity specialists at the company at the time. So it was just a really bad time to get hacked. And the hack was discovered, as I said, on a Friday in October of 2014, a security when an employee, a Twitch employee, was doing some um, sort of support for an employee that was working remotely, 
and they found some suspicious logs. They found that someone that was not the employee had logged into their account. And that's when they said, oh, fuck. Uh, but what the former employee meant by, you know, there was a lot of, I told you so here, was that the company had been sort of uh, lackadaisical and a little bit naive in terms of their risk. Um, the The company essentially felt that they were safe because everybody likes Twitch. Nobody's going to hack us. And, you know, they were just really more focused on, on growing, on launching new products, on establishing themselves as a really big, um, you know, a giant on the internet. And we're not too worried about getting hacked. Did they have a cybersecurity team at all? They did not at the time. Okay, so this is a company that got acquired by Amazon for billions of dollars or a billion dollars. And it didn't have a cybersecurity team to speak of. How is that possible? Yeah, I mean, I think it was that was definitely a huge oversight on their part. Um, I think they were, at that point, they were thinking of starting a team. Um, and, you know, perhaps they were hoping that Amazon would just take care of that with their huge security team. But, the you know, the, at the end of the day, they didn't have anyone uh, dedicated to it, which caused a lot of people to be pulled in, um, sort of all ends on deck after the hack started. Uh, developers and engineers from other teams had to chip in and help. And everyone was working very long hours. Someone told us that they worked 20 hours a day for two months. Someone else said that they worked like for three straight weeks. The company rented out hotel rooms close to the headquarters so that people that worked, uh, people that lived further from the office could just stay over in the hotels and, and work longer hours. This is kind of where that name, a huge effort. This is kind of where that name urgent pizza comes from, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, soon, uh, the incident, uh, became known as urgent pizza sort of as a joke because the company was ordering pizza, uh, to keep people, people in the office to respond to the hack and try to figure out how, just how bad it was. And eventually the, the company even made t-shirts, um, with the urgent pizza logo and sort of like a pizza slice running away. Uh, and we got a picture of one of them and it's in the story. Yeah. You really should go read the story. It's worth it for the urgent pizza, uh, t-shirts alone, uh, which I thought was lovely that someone sent to you. So how bad was this then? Did they end up finding out? Yeah. Yes and no. So they found out they knew that it was bad. They had to rewrite a lot of th- a lot of stuff, including the login login process, because the hackers have found a way to get everybody's password sent to them. So they just had to rewrite the whole thing. Um, and at some point, they realized that the hackers could have gone really deep into their networks, so deep that they re- didn't really exactly know how deep. So instead of you know figuring out exactly where the damage was, they just assumed that everything was compromised. And decided to to rebuild their whole infrastructure. And as part of that effort, they started labeling servers and services that they believed were compromised as dirty. That means that internally they were tagged or labeled dirty. So if developers um, interacted with those servers, they could see that they were lab- labeled dirty. Um, and some of them were up for for a couple of years after the hack. 
some of the former employees told us that there was like a big party when they finally uh, shut down the last dirty server. Um, but w- what this dirty server story tell us, tell us is that the company just couldn't really figure out how bad the hack was and just assumed that everything was compromised. Something I want to point out that one of the viewers said that I thought was pretty good is I wouldn't boldly state that everybody likes Twitch. People inside Twitch hate Twitch. Um, the quote kind of comes from 2014, though, right? When And it kind of, I really think, speaks to what that company thought of itself when this hack happened and why they thought they were, that nobody would mess with them and why they were impervious, right? And it's always the, we've seen time and time again, it's that kind of hubris that will lead to someone messing around in your code. And I think it's really interesting in the story, somebody points out that when they start looking around and they kind of figure out how this happened, that whoever did it was probably not super skilled, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, when people started digging into it and figuring out how the hack happened, they just realized that it could have been anyone. It could have been just a very low-skilled attacker, perhaps a teenager. We don't know. Nobody knows exactly who it was, or at least Twitch didn't, never told anyone if they ever concluded that. But whoever it was did not really need any fancy skills, any fancy tricks, any, you know, expensive exploits. They sort of found some weaknesses and exploit them pretty easily. Okay. So what, what are the long-term consequences of this? Do they end up building a cybersecurity team? Do they get better? Yes. So as part of the response, Amazon sent some engineers, some security people, which helped uh, responding to the incident, um, which was very helpful because as I said, um, Twitch didn't really have enough people and was just overworking a lot of them. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the good news is that the breach really taught the company a lot. You know, it taught them that they needed to take this seriously. So they built up their security team, hired a lot of people over the next few years, and really made a, you know, a concerted effort to, you know, to avoid this happening again. Uh, also, they wanted to, you know, breaches happen. Like companies need to assume that that can happen. So they need to build their systems and infrastructure in a way that if someone gets in, they're not able to go everywhere. You know, they're not able to jump from one service to, to the other, from one com- computer to the other, so that the breach can be limited. That didn't, that wasn't the case in 2014, but it's it seems like it's the case now. And that's probably thanks, thanks to all these security engineers that were hired later and, you know, cleaned up the mess from the old hack and built systems that were more secure for the future. All right. So in light of that, then how does something like the Twitch leak happen? This other leak that happened, you know, two, is it two weeks ago now? Um, yeah. 12 days ago, 12 days ago, almost two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, Basically almost a fortnight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, you know, as I said, these things can happen. Um, but some of the former, and Twitch employees were were surprised that this happened again. You know, some of the data that was lost two weeks ago that was leaked on the internet is very similar to the data that the hackers got in 2014. So some of the Twitch former employees were like, how could this happen again? How could they let it happen? You know, especially after all these years, the company's bigger, they have Amazon resources, and yet this, this has happened again. Um Others were a little bit more confident or optimistic. They said that it appears that the damage is limited, at least. Judging from the data that was leaked, 
we talked about this in another episode, but when the hackers or leakers posted the data two weeks ago, they called this part part one, suggesting that there's more stuff. So far, we haven't seen any more stuff, so they may have been lying. Um, well, and Twitch but, is sworn up and down that the only thing that got leaked is what we've already seen, right? Like passwords and such weren't compromised, etc. They certainly encourage people to change them, but it seems like everything's okay, relatively. Yeah, it seems like it could have been much worse. And what the company, the company has been relatively silent, although at the same time pretty transparent. I think uh, four days ago they came up came out with a short update that tells us a lot. Um, they said, and I'm quoting here, the incident was a result of a server configuration change that allowed improper access by an unauthorized third party. Our team took action to fix the configuration issues and secure our system. Um, you know, passwords are not exposed, no financial, no credentials were exposed, uh, no information like bank information was exposed. But the, yeah, the important part is that it was a, a result of a server configuration change, sort of like a mistake. That's That uh, sounds to me that someone mistakenly uh, exposed the server to the internet. You know, they flipped the wrong switch uh, and instead of being, you know, an internal server that only employees could access, all of a sudden it was exposed to the internet and anyone could access it. Which, if that's the case, you know, it's it's not even a hack, right? Someone just found this server, accessed it, downloaded everything, and then uploaded it online. Which, in a way, it's like maybe worse, um, but definitely a different case than the 2014 hack. Well, it also sounds pretty similar to what happened to Facebook recently, too, right? Like someone messed up a server setting, and then everything goes to hell. Yeah, there's been a few of these lately, um, and you know, it really tells us how how complex these websites have have become, these services have become. You know, there's a lot of moving parts. There's hundreds of people working on them every day. Code gets changed every day. Servers servers get modified every day. And, you know, sometimes something goes wrong. And uh, given that they're such huge targets, you know, they're very big websites. As one of our viewers suggested, not everyone likes them a lot. Uh, It's been a pretty controversial company. so, you know, a lot of people are paying attention to them. And I guess as soon as, um, you know, we don't know how long this this service, this server was exposed for, but someone found it and someone stole the data from it. And what were your communications with them like while you were reporting out this story? Did you get ever get anyone to talk to? I know that tech companies especially can be pretty uh, closed mouth about this kind of stuff. And I think most of what we've known has kind of come from the same emails that they've, they've basically mass pushed to everybody that's on their site. Has that kind of been the case? Yeah. Twitch was not communicative at all. They didn't even acknowledge our request for comment. I followed up a couple of times by email with both their press, uh, you know, generic press email address, as well as um, the email, the personal email of a spokesperson that uh, was communicating with us and other reporters uh, after the recent hack. So the company just chose not to talk about it. Um, you know, I, I, my feeling is that they just told everyone, do not talk about this. Uh, if any reporters approaches you, if any reporter approaches you on Twitter, or on LinkedIn or whatever, just, you know, ignore them. Um, so, so yeah, the company's just decided to communicate through their blog. And, um, and so far, you know, they haven't really told us the whole story. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. But a couple creators did talk to us, right? And generally unhappy, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you- you talked to one of them in particular. I talked to a couple. I talked to Amaranth and I talked to Destiny, though I don't think we uh, we published any of his comments. But generally, everyone's everyone's thinking was the same. You know, we love Twitch, uh, but we don't always feel safe there, and things like this just exacerbate that, right? Um, though I do want to move on here to I think the real reason I wanted you to come on Cyber and talk to us today, um, as some of you may know, uh, Call of Duty. Uh, Warzone is a big deal for uh, the Motherboard team. Motherboard has an unofficial uh, Call of Duty team that gets together almost every night. And, you know, some people play golf with their bosses. Uh, at Motherboard, you have to play Call of Duty with your bosses. Um, but their KD, it's getting it's getting bad. Uh, they say constantly that they're getting hacked. Um, they're getting headshotted all the time by people that are that are that are using these cheats. Um, Hopefully, this will all be resolved soon, though, because Activision has announced something a little wild. Uh, what's going on there, Lorenzo? Yeah, so as you said, it seems like, you know, from anecdotal evidence from the Motherboard Squad, as as well as, uh, you know, pretty famous streamers who have uh, showed evidence of uh, cheaters uh, killing them and complained that they're, the cheating problem on, on Warzone and Call of Duty is just out of control. It seems like Activision has really you know, has a big problem on their hands. Um, so far, you know, before the announcement last week, they were banning hundreds of thousands of uh, accounts, um, you know, sort of playing playing uh, cat and mouse with the cheaters. And they just decided to really change their approach or at least, and, you know, go a step further. And they launched a new cheat system which runs in the kernel, which is essentially the core of the operating system, uh, the part of the operating system that has access to every other function, every other service on the computer. So it has an ability, an anti-cheat system that runs in the kernel has the ability to really see more, to see more of what's going on in the computer, to figure out, you know, if there's something running that's doing something funny to the, when the player, uh, when the gamer plays uh, the game. Um, and the company really went uh really went for it in terms of like PR with this uh with this system, which is called Ricochet. Uh the day before launching it, we knew that they were gonna launch it. They announced it in a trailer for the new Call of Duty called Vanguard, which is coming out, I think, in a couple of weeks. Um so we knew it was coming, and then last week they put out a tweet um with a message to cheaters. It said, Dear cheaters, you're now welcome here. <laughs> It was sort of like, you know, uh, a threatening, but also it just sounded a little ridiculous, to be honest. Um, and the next day they announced the anti-cheat and basically say, yeah, this is what we meant. Uh, you know, the fun times are over. Um, you're not going to get us anymore. And and that remain, remains to be seen. Uh, we don't know how good the system is. We will find out. 
and some cheaters are not scared though we um joseph spoke with uh, the operators of the developers of one of the a cheating system and they said we're good you know we we already operate in the kernel we're ready for the fight all this means is that like smaller companies will you know smaller groups will not be able to compete with us so we'll get even more customers everything is fine uh yesterday the same uh, group it's called the phantom overlay they came out with another announcement on a on a channel that they run uh saying that they you know they've started looking at the anti-cheat system and this was put together in five days activision is making like a big deal out of nothing um and uh, the reason they're able to talk about the new anti-cheat system is that actually even though it's not launched officially yet it's not de- deployed yet uh, activision has released it to just a few you know like a limited number of users to test it both to see if it works and to see, you know, if it causes any reliability issues, if it causes crashes or anything like that. Uh, so that means that, you know, some uh, some players and some cheat developers were able to get their hands on the on the anti cheat system and are starting to reverse engineer it and figure out if there's any any weaknesses in it. But this leak was part of their press tour, wasn't it? Or supposedly, didn't you write something about this? Yeah, I mean, when. Um, when some cheat developers found the system, they made a big deal out of it. They were like, oh my God, you know, the new Activision anti-cheat system has already been leaked. Uh, some were even like uh, theorizing that it was a trap from Activision, that they put out like a malicious uh, version of the system to figure out what the cheat developers were up to or give them a system that was had weaknesses that the final one wouldn't have. Um, you know, sort of like a very um complicated game that they were playing but it turns out that it was just part of the you know it was just part of the rollout you know that's just how the company was planning all along to roll out the system you know by making a limited test something i always like to um, make sure we drive home when we talk about this and you kind of touched on it just a little bit ago is that this is not just a, the reason these cheat programs exist is not just because people want to score easy headshots in Call of Duty. Obviously, that drives a lot of it, but it's also good money. Um, the people that make the cheating software often make become rich doing so. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of these cheats cost relatively not a lot of money. You know, maybe five dollars a month, ten dollars a month, fifteen dollars a month, which is you know it's. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it adds up. If you get a lot of users, that's that can be a lot of money. Um, and and we have seen real evidence of cheat developers making six figures, sometimes making millions of dollars. A few months ago, we wrote a story about a Chinese cheat developer development team that racked up as much as seventy million dollars over five years. There have been a few lawsuits in the U.S. from gaming companies uh, that have try to most of them have been settled and in the settlement the cheat developers agreed to return uh, their proceedings and it was a case i think with Bungie that uh, the cheat developer agreed to pay back like something like five million dollars so this gives you an idea of the scale uh, of some of these cheat developers you know if they're very successful if they're very good at their job which means not only finding vulnerabilities and flaws into the games and their anti-cheat system, but also 
you know, constantly maintaining the 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 cheats because you know it's just like any other software. It needs constant constant patching every time there's a new update to the game. You need to find another way around it. Uh, there's a lot of support that you have to do with very angry customers that you know cannot headshot their opponents anymore. Um, so it's a complex operation, and if you do it well, you can make a lot of money. Now, this kernel level thing that Activision is launching, this is not something new, right? Other games have this, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few. There's a few anti-cheat companies that um, sell their systems to games companies that already do that. Um, like BattleEye and ESEA. Uh, the most uh, recent and sort of controversial one, or the one that really captured, the one that really got a lot of press was the one, the system launched by Riot Games last year um, in conjunction with their online uh, shooter, Valorant. That got a lot of press because the company really made it also made a big deal out of the fact that it was a kernel-level anti-cheat system, uh, Riot said that it was, you know, they were, they just uh, thought that it was the best way to fight cheaters because it gave them really a good good view of what the what the computers do and what the players are running on their computers. And there was some controversy because the system ran at all times, like it booted up as soon as you turned on your computer, and it and it ran even if you were not playing Valorant, which some people saw as like a little bit too invasive and. And also a security issue, uh, you know, security risk, because if someone finds a way to hack into the anti-cheat system, then they get control of your computer or they can see everything you do on your computer. And in response to that, Riot uh, changed their approach a little bit and said that the that their anti-cheat would only run when the game was running and and people could turn it off whenever they wanted, not during the game, obviously, but when the game was turned off, they could make sure that it was, the intention system was off. Sorry, Gus the Cat has moved on from my lap and is now staring menacingly at the mixing board. We're going to see how this goes. Uh, pray for me. Um, all right, that does speak to one of my big questions, though, about this, and I think you've kind of answered, is that are people concerned about this arms race that co- games companies are engaged in uh, having to allow and kind of a, a bizarre level of access to people to your computer in order to prevent people from just, you know, headshotting you. Yeah. I think some people are concerned. Um, and, you know, just to give you an idea, this is the kind of access that like an antivirus engine would have, you know, like a security, um, a security software that whose mission is to stop hackers and protect you from ransomware. So it's really a lot of access for, as you say, a system that just wants to prevent you from getting frustrated because someone can see you through the walls or can headshot you without actually aiming. Um, At the same time, I think that the gaming community is sort of, they just agree that there's nothing else to do, that this is what needs to happen to solve the problem. And, you know, as long as the companies know what they're doing and use good systems, then it's just the necessary evil that needs to happen. There's something intensely frustrating about getting killed in like Call of Duty or, you know, Hunt Showdown, which is the game I play, and then going back and seeing the kill cam and realizing that the person that killed you was obviously cheating. Um, It sucks to die in a game. Oh, Lord, Gus, stop that. It sucks much worse um, when you got cheated out of that win. So, 
Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I know you've kind of carved a beat out of reporting on Call of Duty cheats. It's kind of amazing. And I look forward to hearing more of those stories. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up here because I'm going to have to do something about Gus or he's going to uh, he's going to go nuts. I think he needs some food or something. Um, I do want to pick up a comment here at the end, though, I thought was pretty interesting. Um, is the hate on Twitch about the company itself and its operations or is it about the platform and the way gamers view its current state? That is a good question that is beyond the remit of this particular cyber episode, but I think it is something interesting to think about and something to go out on. I know that as this Twitch hack was going on and people were talking about it, there was just a lot of discussion about Twitch and its relationship to its creators. Uh, and I know a lot of people are frustrated about it. Um, and I know some of you kind of tuned in late and mit- missed the discussion about the Twitch hack. Well, good news. This is going to be uploaded onto the internet, onto, uh, it'll be kind of everywhere podcasts are found a little bit later today. So check us out. And if you want to read Lorenzo's stories, uh, they are on motherboard.vice.com. I'm Matthew Galt. This is Lorenzo Franceschi Bicarai. And this was Cyber. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.